Hear that? That's the sound of your car's NCT getting closer. But this year, why not rely on an Avantcard loan rather than luck? If it's time to upgrade your car to something newer, it's time you contacted Avantcard. Avantcard offers loans from 5,000 to 75,000 euro, approval in principle in minutes, and personalised pricing made for you. Find out more at avantcard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avantcard DAC Trading's Avantcard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always today by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going? It's going great. It is unseasonably warm and beautiful here in Pittsburgh, and I guess some huge storms coming, and this is the uh, the calm before the storm, so to speak. Yeah, I think it it's, seems that way for, for much of the country. We're getting ready to uh, to get rocked with uh, some cold weather, so I guess we've we've been spoiled with, with a warm fall so far but that's that's about to end that's okay though we're, we're going to get used to some football weather as the football season uh at least the fantasy season actually winds down i can't believe it in, in some of my leagues this is actually the last week of the regular season wow. uh, and then in in most leagues i guess we have uh what three more weeks but at this point you know you know if your team is a contender or or if you're you know you're looking forward to the 2017 rookie draft Matt, we've got a great guest today. We've got uh, one of my buddies from DLF. He's a DLF senior writer. He's also one of the hosts of the DLF Dynasty podcast, as well as one of the co-hosts for the DLF Filmmetrics podcast. We've got George Kritikos. George, how's it going, man? It's going great, man. Last time I heard of storms coming in, I think that was when Kristen Michael was starting, right? Like <laughs> That was like the big storm that was coming in. So I'm excited to be here. Well, he's fizzled out like uh, like so many storms that are supposed to be big and bad. I don't know. That's that's kind of a, a funny story. People are are still still believers now that he's in Green Bay, but I'm not one of them. When is that the third time he's been cut by somebody? I mean, Dallas let him go. Seattle's let him go twice now. Am I missing one? Uh, Washington, I think, was the other one, right? Yeah, really? he, he picked up in Washington for just just a couple of weeks. I think I don't think he actually even saw any game time with them but yeah yeah so cut once in seattle traded once by seattle cut by dallas cut by washington and now green bay's giving him a shot but i'm i'm all out on on c mike c woke uh we're, we're done with him i think i, I did mention the 2017 rookie draft and, and we talk about that a lot here on the dynasty blueprint and george i know you've kind of been focusing a little bit on on those upcoming rookies and i saw one of your tweets this week that got a lot of attention and just wanted to start off by by talking about that a little bit so i saw that this past week you tweeted out your 2017 top 12 what your first round would look like and you even broke that down into tiers so i just want to go kind of tier by tier how you broke it down and just hear your thoughts on some of these players. So your first tier was four players deep. You started with Nick Chubb, 
course, the Georgia running back, Dalvin Cook, Florida State running back, and then a pair of receivers, Corey Davis and Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, Chubb's kind of had an, an up-and-down year. He's coming back from that injury, started out with a huge game in week one. I don't know. I've been, I've been pretty disappointed by Chubb and, and actually starting to wonder if he could fall to the, maybe the middle of that first round. You see something different, it sounds like. What, what do you think about Chubb and the other players that you had in that top tier? Yeah, I'm I'm a hopeless optimistic for for Chubb and and I hate that every Georgia running back seems to just destroy their knee at some point. So I, I I just think that Chubb, when he's been healthy, has been a fantastic talent. So I'm kind of betting on the come here and hoping that he gets kind of the medical clearance during the off season and and maybe it's just more rust. I mean, he came back pretty quick from that injury, which kind of scared me a little bit considering he had the yeah, the NFL draft and his his stock to worry about, but I'm hopeful that he comes back. But you look at a lot of the running backs in this in this class, and they've dealt with injuries in the past. Delvin Cook's another one who's had shoulder issues, have had I think ankle and hamstring issues. So it's kind of scary. I mean, as deep as this running back class is, I don't think there's a single one where you can be confident that there aren't questions. So it definitely is a bit of a leap of faith. Uh, and then in terms of the two wide receivers, I really like. Corey Davis and, and Juju Schuster-Smith. I know that Smith had kind of the – or Smith-Schuster, I should say, had kind of the slow start. But, man, he's looked good ever since they've kind of committed to a quarterback. They had kind of that that roulette at quarterback, kind of like Alabama did in that first week, and he looked terrible there. But since then, I mean, he's caught 72% of his passes so far. He accounts for a third of the team's passing touchdowns. I mean, he's just been a complete monster since kind of they took over. And with Corey Davis – he looked great already the last couple of years, and he's just kind of continued to do that. Uh, it, it's kind of amazing. I, I've been kind of trying to track about the top 20 or so wide receivers. He has 61% of the team's receiving touchdowns. Uh, no one else is above 40% out of the ones that I'm looking at. So it's pretty amazing to see how big of a focal point of the offense he is, but at the same time is still continuing to be so dominant. So that, to me, gives me optimism that he could be a wide receiver one in the NFL. George, I'm all ears on this, and I'm way, way behind both of you and uh, in terms of you know the, the guys coming out, and I don't get to watch as much college football as I'd like. But I think what everyone's thinking, at least if they're on the same page as me, is where's Leonard Fournette? Yeah, I, I, I definitely got – that was uh, the second most popular thing I got when I tweeted okay. this out. And uh, number one, I'm sure we'll talk about. But, uh, you know, I really like Fournette. I'm just a little bit lower on him, but I think it also speaks to just the depth of this class. I don't think it's a slight on him. Uh, I would, I would still consider him probably a top three pick if he had come out in the 2016 draft with, with everyone who was there, probably second behind Ezekiel Elliott at the time, maybe behind Corey Coleman or Doxon, who I preferred over Treadwell. But yeah, Fournette, I just, I worry a little bit. There's PPR upside. I, I don't know if it's there. He has great hands, but they don't really have him running a ton of complicated routes. You know, he has, the potential to do it. I'm just curious to see if he actually gets the opportunity to do it. But but I, I, I do still like him, and he is in my second tier. I just think that he's a half a step for me behind uh, Chubb and Cook in terms of maybe his upside. Just because he's not much of a – you're worried about receiving, number one. Yeah, I, yeah, number one, I worry about his receiving. I'd say the other thing that for me is a little bit concerning is I don't think he's quite as agile maybe as you would like out of a, an elite running back. But I – you know, it's nitpicking, right? When you talk about guys that are this good, and I think he's still a a mid running back one. 
uh, type of guy just coming out of this draft. I mean, I'm, I'm scared to think what some of these guys could be given a year or two in the league. One of my favorite prospects that's likely to be in this class is Juju. You know, he's been a, a favorite of mine since his freshman year there at USC. And, and there was a tweet, I don't know, last week or the week before that kind of gained some traction. Basically a list of all the USC skill players that had been drafted. I don't know if you guys saw that, um, but I think it dated back to 2016 and it included some players that have that have really disappointed. Nelson Aguilar was a recent one, Marquise Lee, Robert Woods. Of course, Reggie Bush has kind of been up and down throughout his career. And, and we've just seen so many of those USC players, wide receivers especially, turn, uh, turn out to be bust at the NFL level. So, George, do you make anything of that? I mean, that, that spans back uh, 15, 16 years. It's obviously different coaching staffs. Is that just kind of a fluky thing for you, or is there something to be concerned about there? Yeah, I kind of go on more on the fluke side. And and it's funny because Juju was a guy who wasn't even committed as a receiver coming into USC. I think he was also playing safety at the time. So they weren't even sure where he was going to end up. And that actually scared some Debbie guys a little bit, you know, that that he might switch to defense and kind of leave everyone in the dust in terms of, of that draft capital if they had picked him that early. Uh, but no, I don't, I don't worry about it too much. I like the talent there. He just kind of has that Anquan Bolden type of vibe to me and uh, I'm excited to see what he can do in the NFL and again you know this is a guy who hasn't had the best quarterbacking necessarily Cody Kessler's not necessarily known as a as a guy who's gonna make a lot of deep plays and uh, Schuster's a little bit more capable of that than maybe what he had shown in his first two years there so I I, I do really like him and, and I don't worry about other people in the past I mean we could say that for other positions as well you know, I'm sure Alabama running backs are getting that stigma a little bit with some of these guys who've kind of come and gone. Uh, but that that's not going to scare me off from a Derrick Henry, let's say. Just from a scouting perspective, I, I mean, I have mixed feelings. And, and even scouts in the league have mixed feelings on that. I mean, like, if it's the same coaching staff, if it's Joe Paterno linebackers and they, you know, and they consistently hit, there's a lot of scouts that, I mean, they're going to break ties in favor of those things. Or, you know, if you – are such a good football mind and you know the people in the building and you're like, man, their receivers coach just doesn't know what he's doing. Or, you know, they're they're asking them to do non-NFL-like things. Then I think it applies. But more often than not, I think that's a fluke. Yeah, and and I think a guy like Juju, just to to round it back up to him, I don't think he's necessarily been asked to do a lot of gimmicky things where, you know, anything seems fluky to me. Uh, You know, again, I – I tend to lean towards the numbers more than the film, but that doesn't mean I have, uh, I don't have an appreciation for it. I absolutely do. I just recognize that, uh, you know, I have to rely on guys like, like you and, and Nick Whalen and some of the others who are much better at dissecting that portion to, to put it with mine. But yeah, I, I really haven't seen anything that scares me off of him in terms of, uh, you know, anything scheme related. So George, looking at your next tier uh, in your, uh, top 12. You've got Leonard Fournette. We already mentioned him. And then the other two players you have here are a pair of wide receivers. I think these guys are mostly being viewed as late first round, maybe even early second round options by many people. You've got them in, in the middle of the first round or the middle of your top 12. Cortland Sutton from SMU and James Washington. So tell us, what do you like about those guys that, that makes you put them so high? Yeah, I think I think Sutton's interesting because I think there's definitely two trains of thought. One that really likes him as a wide receiver, one potential guy, and then the other side that really isn't a fan of his. Uh, and and he's another one who 
wasn't necessarily a full-time receiver when he came into college. But, I mean, the things that he's done, he's he's been a big play machine all season. I, I worry about the fact that, that they kind of force feed him a little bit too much to the point where, uh, you know, as, as good as he is with contested balls and things like that, it almost makes him look a little bit worse. Um, but I, I don't even know if he comes out. I think he's the most likely maybe of of a lot of these first-round guys that could uh, – I, I say first-round, I mean rookie first-round uh, dynasty-wise – to potentially just come back to school and maybe not even be in this draft. And I wouldn't blame him for that. I, I definitely think there's still opportunity for him to improve in terms of kind of his technique and other parts of the game. But as a, as a physical specimen, I mean, he's probably one of the top guys in that regard. And then James Washington, I think he gets undersold a little bit. I know everyone kind of sees him as this kind of big play guy who's maybe limited and, and everything else, but everything I've seen of him is, has been really positive for a guy who everyone thinks is maybe more of a one-trick pony, he's a guy who's had four games of of ten plus targets, another couple with nine targets. You know, he does make the big plays, but he gets used pretty well in the red zone. I mean, he has eleven targets in the red zone already, which is more than Juju Smith, Schuster, uh, and and he's a guy who consistently gets a lot of opportunity there and has done well overall. I think he had that one game against Kansas where he kind of flopped pretty bad. I think he had nine yards on one catch, but other than that, I mean it's scary to look at some of his numbers and not be impressed. And and he's a very smooth route runner. He's got good technique. I think he gets undersold a bit. Maybe it's just because he's not the 6'3", 225 pound type of prospect that people fall in love with pretty easily. You mentioned that type of prospect, you know, the Julio or even the Green Beckham. Who's the receiver in this class that would fit that role or has the absolute high ceiling if everything hits because they're such a freak? Well, yeah, and, and it's a guy I left off my list, and, and the one I got the most flack about was uh, Mike Williams from Clemson. I mean, it, and, and I have I, I can get into the reasons a little bit why I didn't include him, but, I mean, he's a big physical guy. He's fast. He has, he has good hands. Uh, but the reason I left him off is he had a really scary neck injury. He's a guy who has struggled with red zone and, and you know, kind of short yardage situations, and he really is raw with his technique. I mean, he maybe runs three or four routes with Clemson, so he's that guy who could shoot up the board significantly. Some people already have him as a first-round NFL draft type guy. I just worry that that learning curve is pretty steep, and we've seen with some other of those type of size speed freaks. You know, you think of a Brashad Perryman, uh, you know, who had good years but wasn't necessarily the most polished guy. I mean, that can be a big concern. And and uh, you know, Mike Williams for me is a guy who could easily enter the top half of this draft for me or fall into the, you know, mid-second round because he just struggles with kind of learning things and then also just the neck injury and how that checks out. Because at one point they talked about him never playing football again, which is uh, not not really the, the the best sign of things to come with a, with a young player like that. He hit his head on the goalpost, right? Yeah, I, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy, you know, the things that that guy's done. And, and yeah, it's, I, I just I have a hard time with him. I really do because there are things I really like, and uh, and he was kind of my first guy off, and and I definitely heard a lot about that. And you think he could be one of the guys everyone falls in love with at the combine, though? I mean, he could put up big numbers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's a big guy, and and he's got that straight line speed, and and he has good hands. I, I'm sure he'll do well, and you know, if he does the gauntlet drills and some of those things, it's just a question of you know, is the technique there, and is the is the health, you know. Uh, is it a green flag for that or not? Yeah, I wanted to follow up on a couple of points that you made there, George. Uh, first on Cortland Sutton, 
Yeah, he is just a redshirt sophomore for SMU, obviously not one of the Power Five conference teams. I've been assuming all year long that he's going to return to school, as you mentioned. And and I think just from playing Devi Leagues, one of the mistakes I've made in the past is looking at every player that's eligible and just assuming that they will declare. Um, and then, you know, when they don't, Corey Davis last year was uh, a good example of that. They don't declare, they choose to go back to school. And, um, you know, that's just another year that you have to hold that player. It, it may be a good thing in the end, but it's it's certainly something to consider. And, and like I said, it's a mistake I've made in the past. This guy is a, a junior or he's a redshirt sophomore, so obviously he's going to, to declare. And I don't know, maybe I watch too much college basketball and every, every good college basketball player, it seems, uh, makes that declaration for the NBA. Uh, but it's it doesn't work that way with the NFL and, and with college football. So I think Sutton ends up staying in school as well. It would it would be kind of a bonus to this class if he if he does actually declare early. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there 100. percent I think uh, I think Sutton would benefit from. We also saw from Mike Williams had he not gotten injured. I think a lot of people thought he would have come out of that class last year. And considering I think the depth of this wide receiver class versus last year's he probably would have been better served. I mean, he might have been in that Will Fuller pick situation where a team looking for a deep threat like that might have looked his way as opposed to maybe a guy like Will Fuller. Yeah, and, and speaking of Williams, that was the other thing I wanted to to just follow up on. You know, you put that out on Twitter. There was a lot, plenty of good response and good conversation that came from that, but there were also, you know, got a lot of criticism from that. You know, how could you possibly leave Mike Williams out and and – you know, I disagree as well. Williams would be in my top 12. But at this point, the way we've seen some of these, you know, some of these young players just totally flop and be complete disappointments. I'm just, I'm not considering anything, uh, you know, a, a hot take at this point. If there's somebody that I respect and, and they're putting out something like this and Williams is left out or, you know, there's some negative opinions about some of these top players, I want to listen. I want to find out more and, and then make the decision for myself when I get that new information, but um, just to, you know, to write off um, an idea like that or a comment like that as just a hot take is, is not good process. I think, because we've seen so many of these young guys, you know, we're, we're watching it with Treadwell right now. Unfortunately, if you left him out of your top three or four a year ago, that would have been, you know, just, just crazy. And, you know, we've, we've seen how that's turned out at least early in his career. Yeah, we saw it with Duke Williams was another one at Auburn who I think a lot of people had really high going into that last year, and he basically fell off the map. Uh, I think, um, oh gosh, now, now I'm blanking on who it was, but the kid from Tennessee was another one who came out last year and went to the Rams, and I can't think of his name offhand. But uh, but there were a few of those where, you know, they, they were kind of in that conversation, and then, you know, for whatever reason they fall, uh, you know, non-injury related, let's say, you know, J.J. is very different. But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, and, and when you're projecting out like this and you still have multiple games to go, you have the bowl season to go, you have, you know, medicals, combines, uh, draft needs, uh, free agency, all these different things. I mean, it's, it's hard to accurately peg this and, and no one claims that they can accurately do it, I don't think. So, uh, you know, really it's just one person's opinion. And, and I think it just speaks to the strength of this class that guys like Wayne Gallman and and Mike Williams, I left off my list and I still think highly of. It's just that, you know, I, I think higher, slightly higher of 12 other people. Well, let's finish off your your top 12 with that third tier. You have five players, uh, running back Christian McCaffrey. Uh, a little bit of a disappointing season after his his 
breakout season last year. Probably should have won the Heisman Trophy last year, in my opinion. Then also another running back, Royce Freeman. Three wide receivers, KD Cannon, D.D. Westbrook, and John Ross, who's having a breakout season of his own right now. Uh, any thoughts specifically on, on any of those five, George? Real quick on McCaffrey. I mean, is his floor Shane Vereen? I, I think it's a little higher. I think he's a better I runner I would than Vereen. So. But, yeah, but I, but I totally know where you're going with it. And I think, it, like, more of, of the role, worst-case scenario is maybe his role is a Shane Vereen-type role, but I do think the talent is better than a Vereen. And uh, I don't know. I mean, some people are probably going to look to more like a David Johnson or, or Le'Veon Bell or those kind of guys as, as McCaffrey because he's versatile in that regard. I don't know if he's quite that talented, so he'll probably fall somewhere in between. But I love those type of guys. I love the guys who can, you know, rack up total yards. And, and I don't care if it's through the air or on the ground. I mean, you know, they count for the same amount of points in most leagues. So, uh, you know, there's no reason to discount him in that regard. And McCaffrey's another guy that's been rumored to stay in school as well. So that's that's another situation to watch. Um, what about the others? Freeman, Cannon, Westbrook, and John Ross. Anything stand out to you on those guys? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 by the way, if I was McCaffrey, I wouldn't mind staying at school at Stanford. I mean, it's hard enough to get in there, so I can't blame him for wanting that college degree. But, uh, you know, in regards to the others, I mean, you know, D.D. Westbrook's a guy who's who's kind of gotten hot lately and you know, he's an interesting one because he scored 14 touchdowns this year so far, but only one has come in the red zone, which just kind of speaks to his big playability and and the fact that he just kind of – it's crazy to see him just, you know, what's the, what's the term, like knock the lid off the, the, the top or whatever you call it. You know, I'm not so good with the little uh, – the scout lingo, so I apologize there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but he's that guy who, you know, every other play it seems like he's just taking something to the house and – and a guy like that who, you know, is is making all those big plays but still is commanding over a quarter of the team's target share, that's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, so I'm sure he'll get knocked a bit. But I could see him as well as John Ross, who's very similar in that regard. You know, he's a, a big play guy. He plays special teams. He's had some big returns. They use him in the run game a bit. I could see the two of them really rising in this draft because I think teams like those kind of guys who can provide a different dimension to the offense. You know, like I said, you know, we've seen that with guys like Will Fuller, uh, you know, Brashad Perryman to an extent. But uh, I think those two are guys who I think are going to rise up draft boards. Um, and Katie Cannon, I just love. I think that guy gets a little uh, underrated because Baylor's such a high-powered offense. But, I mean, he's a guy who's shown, you know, huge playability. He's a guy who can score touchdowns. He gets, you know, short gains, long gains. I mean, looks really polished. I like him a lot as well. Um, and then Royce Freeman, I mean – you know, you talk about all these different uh, schools and, and, and their histories and whatnot. I wouldn't say Oregon's had the best history of, of bringing out big-time backs in the last 10 years or so. A lot of them have kind of been these, uh, you know, hybrid, more versatile backs, and he's kind of the opposite. He's that big, banging type of back, and, and he'll be a fun one to watch. And, and he's one who I could see a lot of teams really being interested in come NFL draft time. All right, well, thanks for sharing your thoughts on, on those top 12 uh, rookies. We'll be, uh, you know, we're sure to have plenty more rookie talk over the next few months, and, and that's the fun part of that winter and early spring for Dynasty players. I'm excited to learn about them. Right now we want to move on to our, our latest ADP data from over at Dynasty League Football. Uh, that's the November data that we just collected. We had four uh, Dynasty startup mock drafts going on. In the early part of this month, we've got full data now there for all of our subscribers. 
And today we just want to go through this round by round through the first several rounds, really talking about some of the players that stand out to us and, and maybe players that also stand out as being overvalued or undervalued. So let's start, of course, with the first round. The thing that I was really surprised to see here is four running backs. So those four running backs that are viewed as, as being the top tier guys, of course, Elliott, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, and Le'Veon Bell all crack the top 12. George, what were your thoughts on that? And are, are we kind of start, starting to see a shift back towards running backs? That's that's another topic we've talked about quite a bit on here. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's hard, right? Because I, I definitely think the first two, it's, it's no-brainers with Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson. I don't think many people are going to argue those two. It's it's the other two to me that are probably a bit more divisive. Gurley, because he struggled with, uh, you know, with the offensive line and, and production, everything else. And and for me, Le'Veon Bell, because, you know, that suspension concern to me is always going to linger. I know that he's kind of gained value. I was looking at the last four months of DLF data, uh, ADP data, basically since the season has started in August. And, you know, he's gone from being uh, a mid-second round pick now to being a fringe first round pick. Uh, and how much of that is due to, you know, him doing well versus how much of it is maybe other people struggling I bet it's a combination of the two, but, uh, you know, I would imagine if guys like Brandon Cooks, Des Bryant, Sammy Watkins, uh, some of these other guys, if they were to start producing, I could definitely see Bell get pushed out of that first round and maybe even Gurley if he doesn't figure things out soon enough. The thing about Gurley is I love the talent, and maybe Goff comes in there and changes everything. I mean, I know no, no one's predicting that, but it could happen in the next year or so. But – I have a hard time using a first-round startup pick on a guy that I'm not really even comfortable starting right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I it, It's kind of terrifying. That's probably why I don't own him anywhere. Even even in the rookie drafts, he was hard to trade up for to begin with. Uh, and and unfortunately, that year I didn't have any any top picks, but now I kind of feel better about it. But uh, yeah, Gurley's, Gurley's tough. I just, it's hard to imagine the team getting better because – they haven't done much to that offensive line. Like they keep sinking middle round draft picks in it when it's clear that that's like one of their biggest needs. The thing that surprises me with Gurley is just that he's still there in that first round, despite his struggles. You know, he hasn't, hasn't broken a hundred yards on the season. He's, you know, he's, he's just struggled. He got involved in the passing game heavily there and that kind of boosted his, his PPR scoring for a while. And, and even the past couple games, that's kind of faded. So I, I'm really surprised that he's still in the top 12 and it, it's maybe more of a situation that the guys in the back half of the first down through the second round, you know, they're, they're just not as crazy as it seems for a top 15 or 20 pick. Those are just not guys you're excited to take with that early, uh, early draft pick. So, you know, maybe he's just the best of the best or the best of that group, or maybe he's the youngest of that group, but I would have, I, I agree with you guys. I'd have a very hard time taking him in the first round. Yeah. That whole like 10 to 15 range to me is yucky. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a, a prime spot to trade down. Um, one guy that that's just outside of the first round is, is Rob Gronkowski. I would take him over those guys still, or, or again, look to move down and, and collect some extra picks. Matt, you mentioned the, the 10 range and that's the 10th player overall is Deandre Hopkins. Do you guys see him remaining in that first round? Is he gonna is he gonna bounce back at some point, or is what we're seeing kind of the new normal for him? 
You know what? I, I worry about him. And honestly, I thought he was – I don't own him anywhere. And because even when he was at the height of his powers and scoring like crazy, he was a sell for me just because I don't think he's nearly the football player or the talent of these guys around him. Like Allen Robinson to me struggling, but he's only 23 and he's very, very talented. You know I mean? I can see him getting it back. Where Hopkins never separates, you know. I mean, he makes contested catches better than anyone in the league, uh, but that's a hard thing to rely on. You know, like I'd rather have Sammy Watkins. You know, I mean, I, I just think, and, and his quarterback situation's dismal. Yeah, you're you're being nice using the word right. dismal to describe Brock Osweiler. I mean, it's terrible. I've it's never brutal. seen a guy that tall get that many passes batted down in my life. Like he's the shortest six foot seven guy I've ever seen. And it, yeah, it's just bad. Like Hopkins, like you said, he doesn't separate. He's still getting tons of targets, but it's clear that Osweiler doesn't have the touch to, to make it work with him. And honestly, the only reason he won't fall out of the first round, if, if he does stick around for a while, is because again, that like 10 to 15 range isn't very exciting and no one else might take his place. That's about the only That's reason. That's the thing, yeah, by default. <laughs> right. Yeah, you hear about teams in, in quarterback purgatory, and that's really where, you know, Houston finds themselves. They've they've overpaid for Osweiler. They're basically stuck with him. You know, it, it's going to be hard even through next season to, to get away from him without just eating a, a ton of money. Let's what if they on. brought in Tony Romo, though? Imagine how good that team would be with Tony Romo. Well, I think Tony Romo is going to make, make somebody a lot better than they are this year. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it could be – it could be them. There's there's so many ugly quarterback situations right now. So he, he's going to have plenty of options, I think. Let's take a look at the second round. We've got uh, three wide receivers I really wanted to focus on here. Des Bryant is the 16th player overall. We already talked a little bit about Sammy Watkins. He is the 17th player right behind Bryant. And then Alshon Jeffrey, who, of course, is, has been in the news. He's in that. He's right there. At 15. So we got 15, 16, and 17 overall. Jeffrey Bryant and Sammy Watkins. These guys are all, for, for different reasons, these guys are all kind of dealing with some shaky dynasty value right now. Of course, Jeffrey was suspended earlier this week. Des Bryant, 28 years old. He's kind of had an up and down season with some injuries. And, and Sammy Watkins has, of course, missed most of the season with, with an injury as well. Of those three guys, do any of those stand out to you as strong buys at this point, or do you see this as, as kind of the beginning of the end for their dynasty value? Watkins is the one that stands out to me as a buy. I'm, I'm terrified of Alshon Jeffrey with all the questions he has now, because add in the suspension on top of, you know, he's going to be a free agent. The quarterback situation hasn't been great. You know, he's, he's seen declines all over the place, but I get that part of that's because of that quarterback situation. Yeah, he's had his own health concerns for years as well. I just don't know what to think of him. And and I would rather have someone else take him. And I would take probably any of the next like five receivers on that list at this point, you know, over him just to kind of avoid that whole situation. Doesn't he kind of come across as the guy? And I'm not saying he's lazy, but if he signs a big deal in Philly or L.A. or whatever, and then he just kind of puts it in neutral. I could totally see that, yeah. and I'm a, and I'm a Bears fan, and and I do want him to do well. Unfortunately, he seems sorry to, to hear that. No, it's all right. I mean, <laughs> I feel like the whole team has put it in neutral, so it's kind of depressing to watch at this point. Uh, Ryan, but, I'm sorry. The two that stood out to me as buys were, and we talked about this recently, are Sammy and, and Keenan Allen. You know, because they're not on the field, but they're yeah, great players. Absolutely, and I've bought 
and I bought them a year or two years ago and, uh, and they, I thought it was so smart and obviously they still are at the same place they were. So at least I didn't lose any value out of it. But yeah, I agree. I think uh, I'd rather buy on injury than I would with Jeffrey and suspension. Suspension to me is the thing that you really just can't, you can't rely on at all. At least with injuries, you can tend to tell if it's going to be a bigger problem, you know, if they tear everything in their knee versus a smaller problem like a pulled hamstring. Do you guys know if it was PEDs or was it marijuana? Or you know, illegal substances. I don't remember. Neither one's great. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's been an official report. Um, his, you know, his story was that it was some type of what George. I think it was like inflammatory. A, or yeah, something? it was. Yeah, it was like some kind of anti-inflammatory or something like that. And uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It, it just. It doesn't seem like it's marijuana or anything. But you know, I don't know if that's better or worse. I'm not really sure. Yeah, PEDs always worry me because. If you're really good on PEDs and then you have to come off them, maybe you're not as good anymore. <laughs> you know? Now, what about this theory? We see this so often that a player in a contract year seems to have, you know, one of their best years of their career playing for that new contract. Sure. With Jeffrey, it's been the complete opposite. Um, you know, he's had basically his worst year since his since his rookie year, I think. So, you know, maybe maybe there was some, uh, you know, maybe he opted for this to try to get that bounce back in these, the last half of the season. I don't, I don't, you know, just, yeah. just throwing darts. Right. Exactly. But it, it's certainly not the year he needed as he enters free agency. And George, that's the other thing I wanted, wanted to ask you just as a bears fan, do you have any kind of, um, you know, pulse on, uh, are they just going to tag him and keep him for another year? Are they going to let him walk? What do you think on that? I mean, the the talk seems to now be more about not tagging him and and either seeing if they can do something long term or just kind of letting him walk if if they can't find a, a happy medium in there somewhere and and I think that's probably the right move. I would hate to to tag him again, put him on another contract year, and then you know who the heck knows what's going to happen. It's going to cost them a lot of money to do that, and they have so many needs right now. It's probably best to know if they're getting him long term or if they need to move on and look in the draft or somewhere else. And you get the third round comp pick for them, and you know they right. need every pick they can get. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do think he, you know, I think he'll still demand a huge contract and somebody's going to pay him. You know, we saw uh, we saw Marvin Jones, just a career wide receiver too, get big money from Detroit last year. Uh, so somebody's going to pay Jeffrey, even with, uh, you know, even with his down year and, and now with this suspension. Did anyone else stand out to you guys as being either overvalued or undervalued in that that second group of 12? I'm not buying Jarvis Landry at 20 overall. And I like that offense. You know I don't like Jordan Matthews. There's no way I'd use a second-round pick in a startup draft on Jordan Matthews. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm on the other end of the Jordan Matthews talk, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll curb that one. Uh, I thought the only other one that, you know, is, is a little bit undervalued is T.Y. Hilton, you know, being, you know, maybe a pick or two below where he should be. But when you're in the second round, I mean, undervalued is, is a pretty loose term. Yeah, exactly. All right, that third round then, you know, we talked about how the... You know what, Ryan, before we jump into that, do you mind if I tell our listeners about our friends at Loot Crate? They have a new theme this month. It's called Magical. And you guys that listen to us know all about Loot Crate. You go to LootCrate.com, put in Dynasty Blueprint, you save some bucks, a couple, two bucks a month on a crate that they send you that's already under 20 bucks a month. So 
If you're more of a fanatical fashionista, then Lootwear is our monthly wearables and accessory subscription. And they'll fill your closet with cult classics and your favorite franchises. If you want to get fancy, get a bigger box with even bigger loot from Loot Crate DX. Ready for your wands, pre-measure your potions, and get ready for November's enchanting theme, which is magical. We've cast a powerful ancient spell to deliver you this 100% exclusive crate featuring bewitching items from Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and Big Trouble in Little China, and more. This goes up until the 19th at 9 o'clock Pacific to get to subscribe to the magical box. And receive that month's crate, and you will cut off. And when the cutoff happens, it's over. So make sure you head to www.lootcrate.com/dynastyblueprint and enter the code dynastyblueprint to save two bucks off any subscription today. Thank you. All right, let's get into the third round now. And I mentioned the second round, uh, just kind of a lack of, I don't know, a lack of excitement over adding any of those guys. The third round, I think, might be even worse. Uh, it's really bad right now. I mean, I hope things change before the offseason if we're going to do some more startups. Yeah, if you're looking at this group of 12 from 25 overall to 36 overall, and you're thinking this is the third best player on my dynasty team, that's not a good feeling. And, and for our oh. listeners, I'll just run down the 12 in this third round. It starts with my guy, Randall Cobb, Devontae Freeman, Kelvin Benjamin, Demarius Thomas, Melvin Gordon, Cam Newton, Michael Thomas, Stefan Diggs, Jordan Reed, Andrew Luck, Sterling Shepard, and then wraps up with Devontae Parker. So I, I think the guy that stands out in this group to me is Stefan Diggs. Um, in our October data, he was coming off a, a couple of his big games early in the year, kind of those breakout games, you might say, and he shot way up in, in our ADP. And then he had that that stretch of two or three weeks where he was dealing with some injuries. And I, I think he uh, – I'm not sure if he missed a game. I don't think he missed any time, but he was definitely slowed by some injuries. And at this point, based on this data, he, he fell down into the third round. He actually fell eight spots from uh, the previous month's data. So to me, he's the, he's the easy guy in that, in that round that I would want. Beyond that, I don't really want anybody, even, even my guy Cobb as the third best player on my team. George, what do you think on, on this round? Yeah, this round is is pretty brutal. And like, I kept looking at guys and saying, well, this is like a rounder too, too early. But then you look at the next round and you're <laughs> right. like, that's not, no, it's not actually true. These are probably where they go. It's just, none of them are very inspiring, you know, for your team. And and I, I looked at it and I was, I was trying to say like, okay, who are the guys that I would want where I'd feel confident in them you know, and, and I think it's, you know, maybe three or four guys where I'd say I'd feel confident in having them on my team. I just don't want to spend a third round on any of them. You know, Devonta Freeman's done pretty well. Calvin Benjamin's done well this year. I mean, Melvin Gordon's done well, but I'm not a big fan of drafting running backs this early. Uh, so, so that kind of scares me. And then it goes down to like the rookies and, and Devonte Parker. And, and it's this weird mix of either they're super proven or they haven't done anything yet and they need to, you know, desperately get some consistency. And, uh, you know, I'd be looking to trade up as, as quick as possible and try to get back into the second round for another pick uh, before I would consider even trading down and, and going into the, the dumpster fire round four that just feels even worse than round three. I'm glad you guys, mentioned I'm sorry. That. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm glad he mentioned that. I was going to ask, you know, we keep saying this. Okay, the second round is, 
is ugly. The third round, we don't like that either. So what is the play? Do you do you really push all in, try to get up to the early second, late first even, and just get, get a pair of top players to build your team around? Or do you move down to that four, five, six round, collect a half dozen of those guys and, and just hope that volume gets you through? It, it sounds like... Yeah, it sounds I like, like the second approach, okay. especially if I'm getting future draft picks. Because I, I, I mean, to me, if I'm in a, a startup now with this crop, I better come out of it with a, a couple 17 first. You know what I mean? And I don't care because I'm not. I mean, I can't take Demarius Thomas at 28 overall. I mean, you you could hit hit me in the head with a shovel if I take your boy Randall Cobb at three one. He stinks. Hey now, come on. He's not good at football, dude. <sighs> killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would not take him at 25 overall. That's that's oh, for man. sure. Maybe maybe if he gets running back designation or something then maybe you can take him. <laughs> it, it works so well for for Ty Montgomery. <laughs> right. No, I, I I know what you're I know what you're saying, Matt, and uh and I, I I mean it's always like it depends on the right what you're getting, you know, is it cheaper to move up versus move down where you're getting the value. I feel like if I'm really pushing to compete, especially if I've made my first round pick and I, I think I'm going to go all in, then I'm going that first route and I'm probably going to try to grab three of those top 15, 16 guys and really just push hard. But if if I'm kind of going the other route and maybe I ended up with a back end of the first round pick and I'm not feeling so confident about my chances to really compete early, then I'm probably moving back, like you said, Matt, and trying to stock up assets and trying to just hit on as many of those as I can and kind of trust my player analysis at that point. It wouldn't break my heart though, to take Michael Thomas at 31 or, you know, you mentioned Diggs. you know, I mean, Shepard at 35. I mean, those guys are, I think they're quality players and they're very young. Yeah, I agree on Thomas and Diggs, And, and I do think those are two guys that we'll regularly see in the late second round, you know, come, come mm-hmm. springtime and, and real, startup drafts all right let's move on let's uh let's try to get one more round in here we'll do the fourth round um so from 37 to 48 i'll run down those names again so everyone knows just who we're talking about starts with will fuller the texans rookie wide receiver marvin jones jay ajayi emmanuel sanders terrell Pryor, doug baldwin jordy nelson derrick henry tyler eifert and then uh, ends with Brandon Marshall, Carlos Hyde, and Josh Dotson. So the two names that stand out to me here are a couple of breakout players. Jay Ajayi, the Dolphins running back. Uh, this, this was crazy. In our October data, he was our running back 48, 48th ranked running back, and he moved all the way up to eight in one month. So that's uh, I've been collecting ADP data for DLF for four or five years now. And that's that's the biggest jump of, of that kind I can remember in one wow. month. Uh, Terrell Pryor is the other breakout player. Uh, he's been slowly moving up the, the ranks all season, and he's now got this ADP of 44 overall. So looking at those two players, you know, is, is this rise going to continue? Are they for real? Are they going to be two guys that move into that second or third round that make us feel a little bit better about making a pick? I guess I can start on this one. Go for uh, it. Yeah. So, so I feel more confident in Ajayi than I do in Pryor. Um, and that's, and that's no knock to Pryor's talent or anything, but he's also a guy who I believe is going to be a free agent. You know, if he does stay, he's going to have a lot more competition. I don't really care for the quarterback situation there uh, versus Ajayi. I feel a little more comfortable 
investing in him and thinking that he will probably have at least a few years of, of really good production. Um, but I don't know if I want to spend the fourth round on either one. I prefer some of the other guys on this list, but I get it. You know, I'd rather have Derrick Henry still than Ajayi because uh, I think long-term he's going to be the better bet and the better talent. But I, I do have them pretty close. So I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame anyone from going one over the other. Ryan, we've been doing this too long because there's two guys I had in bold, and that was Ajayi and Pryor. Um, I'm very much a believer in both. I think both are immensely talented. I like both situation. I mean, I'd take both those guys over stinkbag Randall Cobb, your buddy. Um, <laughs> and then the other one, the other one that stood out is also has bolded is Eifert at 45 overall and Kelsey at 54. I think those two get lumped in together. And I can certainly see why you wouldn't want to take a tight end this high, but I'm very high on both those guys for the next five years or so. Well, and that's, you know, we talked about what do you do when, when you're stuck? Do you move up or do you move down? And that's, I guess you mentioned Eifert. That just made me think that's kind of the other play. The, the third option yeah. is if I can't move Roger. up, I can't move down, yeah. take the best quarterback and, and dominate that spot or take the best tight end and try to dominate that spot. And, and typically I would, I would say to wait on both of those positions, but if you are feeling stuck, then, uh, you know, just try to build and try to get the best players at each position as you can, rather than taking a third wide receiver who you don't feel great about anyway. Well, I looked at, I looked at those four mocks in November and I thought it was interesting that on average, either four or five teams in every single mock uh, waited at least 10 rounds to pick a tight end. So you have a fair number of people waiting. And that I think speaks to a very clear kind of top tier of, of, I would say seven or so guys and then the people who probably subscribe to that idea of I'd rather just wait. You know, it's either I'm getting one of these guys or I'm waiting a heck of a long time because I think it's roughly, I think it were five of them that went in the first five rounds. So, you know, after that, it's, it's a question of, you know, do you reach on somebody or do you just wait and stockpile and hope you find, uh, you know, the next guy who's going to break out? And Ryan, you know, the, the conversation we were having before, like if you're sitting there at the end of round two or in round three, and nothing's jumping out at you, and you're not excited. I mean, the more I look at this, the more I think, man, trading down's the way to go. I mean, if I can get rid of 3-2 and get Russell Wilson. I'm just looking at these guys in the 60s. I mean, give me Russell Wilson and Gio Bernard or Russell Wilson and Spencer Ware. I mean, I'll take that all day before I take Demarius Thomas. Well, and and I think, uh, what's it called? Uh, Jameis Winston was in the 80s. And, and Mariota was at 90 and I would take either one of those over, over Russell yeah. Wilson. So I'm, I mean, but that's just me. I, I really like those two a lot. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think there's so much opportunity as you go down the board and the one I'm never going to understand is Carlos Hyde where he is. I just cannot get on board with that. I would, I would take probably anyone in the next like 15 picks over him pretty easily. <laughs> I just, I, I don't understand it. I mean, he's just so touchdown heavy. He's, you know, struggled to, to consistently produce. He's had so many injuries. That offense is terrible. I just don't know what the appeal is. And, and I've been a pretty big hide hater since he's come into the league. So, so predates Chip Kelly, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Hyde. I just don't get that one. Let's wrap up. I want to hear your guys thoughts on three rookies that are going in this range, uh, two here in, in the fourth round. And then one is kicking off the, the fifth round. We've got Derrick Henry at 44, 
Josh Dotson at 48, and then Laquan Treadwell at 49. We've really seen almost nothing from, from those three for different reasons. Of course, Henry's playing behind DeMarco Murray, who's having another great year. Dotson dealing with the injuries, and Treadwell just can't really seem to get on the field. So are, you, are, are those guys at this point in the fourth or fifth round, is that a good investment, or you know, are you just playing with fire? I'm not buying any of those guys at that price. You know, I mean, I look at Henry and I'm looking at the running backs after him. I mean, I would take Spencer Ware over Henry for sure. I'd take another rookie, Jordan Howard. I mean, Doug Martin's all the way down at 62 overall. Even DeMarco Murray. Uh, I would probably take all those guys over Henry. Uh, maybe even Gio Bernard. I- I'm not sold that he's good, you know, to be honest with you. And I want to, and I-, I just can't buy sight unseen on Doxon and tread well, although some of the receivers around him aren't all that appealing. I mean, Kevin White's kind of in that same ballpark, too, and you could see why because nobody knows anything about him. I guess I'd take, you know, Devontae Adams over those guys. But, you know, I guess the more I look at the receivers in this neighborhood, I can see that's why where they're at. But they frighten me at that price. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because you look at the difference between Henry and the other two, and, and Henry was being picked – in the fifth round, the last two months before November, he was in the seventh round in August. And then all of a sudden now he's a fringe fourth rounder. That kind of scares me a little bit too. And I like him as a talent. I just couldn't pay that kind of price for him. I would be more likely to buy on the other two, just comparatively. I'd be more likely to buy on the other two because I feel like this price is palatable compared to, you know, Treadwell was in the top 20 at one point in the off season. I mean, he was, he was 27th in August. Uh, and Doxon was kind of about a round, round and a half earlier than this uh, before he kind of got hurt. So I'm, I'm more willing to take the buy there, knowing that there's a potential for a slight discount. And I do like the talent as much as I did when they came in. You know, nothing really has changed there. Henry's the one where, yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't want to buy that. I think there are plenty of other running backs that I'd rather have. And Geo's probably my first choice out of the ones that are after him, and maybe even DeMarco Murray for that matter. Ryan, I want to hear your opinion on those three, but I want to add one thing to your portion of it. I would rather have CJ Procise than Derrick Henry. And my hunch is he's artificially low in this because he's only had one good game. And, you know, it probably takes a little time and for the data to catch up with that. I mean, he's 99th in this. And I bet if we had a startup draft, he goes before 99. Would you guys rather have Procise or Henry? And what is your opinion on those three rookies in, or those four rookies in general there, McDee? Yeah, your your point is correct as far as, uh, you know, uh, oftentimes the data is is out of date before we even get it on the site just because things are changing in the NFL, especially when we're doing these, these in-season mocks and in-season ADP. So this data was collected the first week of November, basically, and then ProSize has had uh, – had Two big games since then. He's he's moved into that starters role. Kristen Michael is gone, so he's obviously gaining value quickly. Yeah, you mentioned his his ADP of of ninety nine overall. His his ADP is actually one hundred one. That puts him as the 99th player overall. And and I think if we're doing this again right now, he's probably in the top sixty. Uh, that would be my guess. Yeah. And it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was going ahead of Derrick Henry. Yeah, the one thing I'll add, and, and, and I do agree with Ryan what he said there, it, it's funny when you look, you know, because, because the data is hard, right? You know, you do it every month, so, so there's multiple games that go by. But if you look at the trends, 
in the first 10 rounds of rookie drafts in August, 13, or I'm sorry, first 10 rounds of DLF ADP drafts, 13 rookies were picked in the first 10 rounds in August. And in November, that was up to 17. And then if you look at the first five rounds, it went from six to eight with two of them just outside. I think Jordan Howard and Vontae Booker were just outside. They were the next two players in that. So it speaks to the fact that you get rookies and, and, you know, you get as many rookies as you can basically in this first year early, they're more likely than not going to raise in value. And if you're a, if you're a active trader, which I would say I'm somewhat active, I don't compare to the two of you, but uh, you know, I'm somewhat active. I think it just speaks to the idea that, you know, these young players not only get insulated, but they increase in value if they do anything at this point. Yeah, I actually did a study um, a couple of years ago, basically looking at rookie ADP compared to those same players ADP a year later. And, you know, guys like Bishop Sankey, I think that was that was the year, his rookie year, that was the year I conducted the study. Even guys like that who struggled through their rookie year, their ADP was was almost the exact same as um, – you know, as it was the previous year. And, and George, as you mentioned, if they do anything, if they show any any promise at all, then they're gaining value. So even a, a Treadwell who um, was being drafted as high as 20, as you mentioned, he's still a top 50. And obviously that's that's a loss in value. But for any other player, it would be so much greater if, if he wasn't, you know, 21 years old and a rookie. And then, Matt, as far as, as my thoughts on these guys, I do like Henry. I think 44 overall is is still way too high for him, though. That's that's still in the range where I'm not really even considering a, a running back at all. So uh, that's too high for me. I've never been a Dotson fan. If he's on my team, it's a total accident. And I would look, <laughs> to, ch- look to change that pretty quickly. And then uh, I, I do still like Treadwell. I, I agree that I think that's a pretty good price. I mean, if you look at the other wide receivers around him, other than Dotson, it's, it's Michael Crabtree, unless I'm have a, you know, a potential league champion team, I'd easily flip Crabtree for Treadwell without, you know, without even a second thought. Jordy Nelson's a little bit higher. Brandon Marshall's a little bit higher. Those are other guys I would sell in a heartbeat for Treadwell. Marshall, especially that's, that's another guy who's about to just fall off the table. You know, he's not even, He's not even a fantasy starter right now, and, and he's still in our top 50. Yeah, and one thing I'll add, and, and we were kind of talking about the rookies a little bit, one thing I noticed was there definitely was a little bit of a creep in terms of the average age uh, being drafted for players gets lower as the season goes on. And I think, again, it speaks to the idea of rookies and young players. They start doing things. They're going to shoot up the draft board. They're more likely not only to get drafted, but get drafted early. So you start to see the average age of running backs, wide receivers getting drafted early will decrease by about half a year. And that's a pretty big number. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it really is. And it just shows how youth hungry people will be, especially as they start to see them produce. All right. Well, that will do it for our time today. Uh, George, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, before we leave, just tell all our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm with Ryan over at Dynasty League Football. Uh, you can you can find my work there. I co-host, like he said, the DLF Dynasty podcast and the DLF Filmmetrics podcast. And then uh, I'm on Twitter at RotoHack, just because I don't believe in myself enough to, to give myself a good name. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely. I always try to be available and, uh, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. I'm a big fan of the show. I always try to, to listen and, and share it out when I can. So, so much obliged.
Yeah, Thanks we, for joining us. It was fantastic. We appreciate that support, and we'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs>